Good morning. I want to apologize for being a little hoarse today. I forget every first game of basketball season as a coach not to yell the entire game because I have church the next day. I'll remember next Saturday. If you have uh, prayer concerns this week that you'd like us to uh, pray for in the service and also pray for uh, on Tuesday when the prayer group gets together throughout the week, if you'll please raise your hand and our um, ushers will bring you a prayer card. If you'll simply print and uh, write legibly so we, can, uh, so we can read it and understand it, and we'd appreciate that, and we'll pray for you. If you uh, have not done a consecration card for the coming year, uh, our numbers continue to rise. It's very, uh, very encouraging uh, what, what uh, promises we've received for next year. If you have not received a consecration card and you need one, our ushers can give you one of those as well. If you'll raise your hand um, for a consecration card if you need it. We have volunteer lead up, uh, leadership sign-ups on the table in the back. There's all sorts of ways uh, that we make this service great, all sorts of ways that you can commit uh, to helping us do that, um, that have different skill sets. And so we encourage you to look at that back table and see how you can contribute. And this is our good news of the week. We have brand new basketball jerseys that looked amazing yesterday. So um, Tommy and I met at the uniform store we were thinking about a gray. We didn't know how exactly how to do it. And he had a jacket that had a patch on it that had gray. And we said, what about that? What's on his jacket? And then they turned it in. So um, we wanted there to be a big block M. We wanted the number to be clear. And we really didn't think this could happen. We wanted the Methodist cross and flame to be on the back where the name would normally be. We said it couldn't happen. Um, it'd be far more expensive. So it was going to be on the front. But then he couldn't make it happen on the front, so it had to go on the back, which we were like, oh, that's amazing. So um, really looked good yesterday, and we're all, uh, all our teams are uniform. It looks nice, so I'm grateful for that, um, for the good news of the week. I'll tell you, we've got a great service where the children take over the service in traditional worship at 11. So if you would like to stay for a doubleheader today, I think, it would, uh, I think you would really love it. Let's start our worship for the day. Please stand and worship with us. To see you, I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. To see you. I want to see you. I want to see you. 
heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. See you high and lifted up, shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love as we sing holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. I want to see you. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning that you've brought us here again. We thank you for the season that we're entering. Um, it's the pinnacle of your redemptive story when you came down as man. And Lord, we love you for, for what you did. Lord, please remind us today and throughout this service of your love for us. In your name we pray. Amen. sermon and the lighting of the advent calendar. 
And everybody, turn and greet your neighbor. Thanks. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his faithful, to those who turn to him in their hearts. Surely his salvation is at hand for those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness will, will meet. Righteousness and peace will kiss each other. Psalms 85, 8-10. Can you hear it? God's word is coming. A voice cries out and declares the promise of peace. Things are going to even out in the world. Today we light the candle of peace. Our peace comes from God. Good morning. All right, we all know what's coming up, right? What? Christmas. That's right. It's an exciting time of year. Are you excited? I know we're excited at my house. This is often a time when company comes. Do you guys ever have company to come over to your house? Who comes to your house? Grandparents? Do you have anybody that comes to your house? Your cousins? Those are always fun to play with. We have people who come to our house. Aunts, uncles. Well, sometimes when we have company that comes to our house, we have to use a lot of this. Do you guys know what this is? cleaning stuff do you guys have to do that do you have to clean your house yeah ours kind of takes a while because ours isn't always very clean so I brought some of the supplies that we use um, to clean up our house so sometimes it feels like there's a lot of work to do when companies coming over doesn't it we don't want them to come over and our house be a mess so we have to mop and vacuum and clean and all that good stuff so back in Jesus's day though there was a man named John And John went around the country um, and the Jordan River preaching and telling people about the coming of the Lord. And he was telling people to prepare for the coming of the Lord. But you know what? He didn't mean for them to clean up and sweep their floor and dust and mop. He meant that they needed to prepare their hearts. What do you think he meant by that? How would they prepare their hearts? Yeah, ask Jesus to come into their hearts. What are some other ways we can have Jesus in our hearts? What can we do? 
We can pray. Yep, we can come to church. We can read the Bible. That's right. So guess what? Cleaning house, unfortunately, isn't something we can do just one time and it stays clean, is it? No, sometimes we have to keep doing it every single day. And that's what we need to do with our hearts as we get ready for Jesus. Because if we don't, then it will be a great big job at one time. If we do a little bit along the way and ask God to help us every single day and spend time in prayer and in his word and asking him to forgive us, then we'll be ready for Jesus. So if you um, will bow your heads with me and pray, dear God. Please forgive us of the things that we have done each day that are not pleasing to you. Help us remember that Jesus is coming and make, us, make sure that our heart is clean. Um, make sure we'll be ready for him and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, the seasons of the Christmas year, of the, of the Christian year, are so entirely different. And as we go into the beginning of this new Christian year, as we think about preparation, help us, Lord, to consider those things that we do, that we say, that we don't do, that we don't say, that impede your will, that impede your son's coming, that impede his ability to impact this world. Help us, Lord, to look closely at our practices, at our beliefs, at our actions, at our words in this season, that we may truly prepare for your son. Inspire us this morning, Lord, as we pray the prayer he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So, um, we don't have, a, the 20th is our, uh, the 20th, 27th are normal Sundays in terms of what we're doing in this service is the same as what we're doing in that service. And so there's some subtle differences. And so I thought, if I'm having sermons in this service and not in that service, we'll just let these um, particular scripture passages stand on their own. So we won't have a theme through December, but for the typical scriptural themes that you read in the season of Advent. So let's look at Luke 1, starting with verse 5. In the time of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. So here's our first phrase of the day. I'm already serving God. How many people in the biblical story that are called to do a crazy thing 
were already doing something in the name of God. There weren't a ton. In fact, there were a lot of people, if you look at Matthew chapter 1, you look at the genealogy of Joseph's family, you see a whole lot of people doing a whole lot of random things before they're ever called into ministry. If you look back through the Old Testament, and a lot of the leaders who were chosen above all others to lead the people to God or back to God or to a new land, in so many cases, they weren't already doing something significant for God. So what's interesting about that to me is that we who are in church a lot of the time read scripture passages about people who have nothing to do with church and are called to it. The thing I like about this text is it speaks to us. We who are here so many times in the year uh, already trying to do something in the name of God. So you have um, Zechariah, who's a priest, and his wife Elizabeth. Um, If you're talking about a descendant of Aaron, you're talking about the assistant to Moses who's helped lead the people out of Egypt and to the promised land. Verse 6 says, Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. So here's what you need to know. We're being set up. Okay. You look at this story and you say, okay, they were righteous in the sight of God and observing all the Lord's and decrees, uh, commands and decrees blamelessly. How many humans are doing that? We're struggling to do that. But the author wants us to fully understand that these people were doing their absolute best, number one. That they were unable to have a baby, number two, which is a genre all over the Bible. And uh, number three, they're way too old to even be thinking about it. So those of you, all right, so my, I am currently 37. I have daughters that are 11 and 9. My parents were 37, and they had daughters that were 11 and 8 when they found out I was coming. Okay? They said, uh, um, we're going to have a boy. It's gonna, we're going to have another child. It's going to be 8 years back. We're going to have an 11-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a zero. If you told... if if Katie told me today we're going to have a zero, I'd be like, oh. I'm so happy. <laughs> right? You'd think, like, maybe like my father thought, of course, I, I said we're going to find out it's a boy. They didn't know. They didn't know until I was born. And the story goes that he drove around town honking his horn saying it's a boy. He had a boy in his life. So if you told me, you know, a boy, you know, a boy, I love girls and I love my girls, but boy would be kind of fun. It'd be twin girls, though. That's what it'd be. It'd be twin girls. So I'm 37, and I think, mm-mm. These people are on the upper end of grandparents, Okay? And their entire life, people have said to them, oh, you know, it'd be so great if you could have kids, but you can't, you know. But maybe you did something. Maybe your parents did something. Maybe somebody else did something, and God is punishing you for this. 
Y'all remember what we read when I was first here? We looked at that book, Why? There's so many things, so many physiological things that have nothing to do with God's love for you or your willingness to serve as a parent. It had nothing to do with it. But Scripture has these themes, okay? So, blameless, childless, and old. Okay? Verse 8 says, Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by Lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time came for the burning of the in- and when the time for the burning of the incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zacharias saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will call him John. So our next phrase is, in the midst of the routine. Okay, so we don't have a number of the rituals in any United Methodist Church, much less a contemporary service, which isn't designed to be that way. If you look at our setup, it's really pretty simple by design. But the temple couldn't be more ornate. There couldn't be more restrictions to who could get in there. And there couldn't be more uh, um, significance to what you're doing while you're in there, in the temple. That being said, a guy who does it all the time. Okay? Let's say, let's say we got a guy in this congregation. Let's say he cleans out nuclear reactors. Okay? You go in there and you, you think, I'm in a nuclear reactor. Any one of us would be like, what? But you do it enough times. You know, it's not big, you know I'm just going in a nuclear reactor. I'll do it every day. Not a big deal. Anything that we do that's incredibly significant, but if we do it with a, num- with a lot of repetition, we think, eh, all right, I got to go up and I got to light the thing. I got to do the incense. And I come over and I do this on behalf of the people who are outside who cannot come in. And I'm doing the thing, and I'm doing the thing, and there's angel. Blah! Right here. Okay? Ugh. Okay, you know how, y'all don't know how jumpy I am. I'll tell you, it's ridiculous given my size. It's, it's reverse proportionate. Is that the right way to say that? Something like that. It's, it's the total opposite of what it should be given my size. So if I, you know, you, you're doing your normal thing, you look over there, angel over there, which would be frightening, period. Now, what you would hope for in doing this practice is to have interactions with God on behalf of the people so that there's an interaction with God. But when it actually happens, it couldn't be more frightening. And then the angel says something more frightening than an angel standing beside you in this routine thing, which is you're going to have a child. That would be beyond frightening. Okay? In the midst of the routine, an angel appears to him, and startled and gripped with fear, he says, don't be afraid. How many people in the Bible, when they say don't be afraid, is it not a situation where you're supposed to be totally afraid? Everybody's afraid. Verse 14. This is the angel describing to Zechariah what his son will be. 
He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So, what, I mean, what really captures those words there is tremendous expectations, tremendous weight. Number one, you're going to have a baby. Number two, this baby is going to go out and pull people back to God, okay? This baby is going to unite families again, which is an interesting prophecy given that Jesus said, I might be dividing families because I'm asking you to really step up, and if your family isn't with you, you're going to need to step away. He's going to draw people back like Elijah. So this is, this is uh, um, throughout the New Testament, Throughout the life of John the Baptist and Jesus, you'll see people tie them back to prophets in the Bible. Prophets in the Bible have a very specific task. I'm supposed to pull you back to where we're supposed to be. Either because things are tremendous and you're ignoring God, or things are a train wreck and you think God's abandoned you and no one cares. Both of them are hard to pull people back. Okay, those prophets are supposed to see the human condition, they're supposed to understand the will of God, and they're supposed to talk about it to the people on a level that they can understand. So he says, your son is going to be like Elijah. You know, we could look in the political, the athletic, the religious, the um, I don't know, musical, dance realm, and if you told any parent before they even knew they were going to have a baby that they were going to have a baby and it was going to be like the greatest person in that genre of all time, it would be frightening. Verse 18. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. So the next word's Limitations. <laughs> I have never noticed this until I just read it just now. You notice how he said, I'm an old man. He didn't say she was an old woman. <laughs> better check your tone. Use your inside voice before you find yourself outside. I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. <laughs> The Bible is amazing. It really is funny. So he gives limitations. Okay, what's, what's tragic about him giving limitations? He's a man of God. This has been his life. He's participating in um, practices that are designed to help human beings understand that God is present with them. And in the midst of those practices, an angel stands beside him, and an angel tells him it's going to happen, and he says what? I don't know, man. Can, uh, can you help me? Can you help me? Um, what kind of proof are you going to give me? 
Okay, this is very similar to, uh, I, can't, I can't reference it, but, you know, Jesus says, I just need you to believe me. And the disciples say, yeah, I mean, that's cool, but can you show us something so we can believe you? Can you give us something physically tangible about the thing that you're talking about so that our faith can gain strength from you already giving it to us? Human nature. And um, merciful. If you talk to people who are putting in 40 to 52 weeks a year in a church and you bring up a new idea, what are they going to say? What am I going to say? What are you, crazy? We don't have that. We are limited in every way. And there's no way we can pull off any sort of additional change. It's not a, wow, this is exciting. It's a, are you kidding me? Okay? 19. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. Ever heard of him? I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. I'm thinking he's yelling. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until this day happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, he's not yelling anymore. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. This is interesting. Time is a factor. Why is time a factor? Well, Moses was having an interaction with God. God was telling him this is the way we want to be. These are the commandments that I'd like your people to follow. They both look down the hill, and what are the people doing? <laughs> the people get together, and they go, I don't even know if he's coming back down here. He, he didn't even know what the Red Sea was doing. He didn't know what the army was doing. It took him forever to get us out of here. Food's terrible. He's up on the mountain. Let's just boil down our gold, and let's just worship our gold. It would be great. Everybody's like, all right. The people are waiting and they're wondering what's going on, and sometimes that has got to happen for us in the church. We've got to wait to fully understand what's going on. But time can be a factor. Uh, you notice he can't speak now. Okay, so he, he's speaking to people. He left his home. He spoke to them. He went to work, came to work. He got scared by an angel. He comes back out. He can't say anything. He cannot say anything. What do you think Elizabeth thinks about that? <laughs> Y'all don't have to answer. But how many days or weeks or months would it make you smile if your husband could not speak? Especially in a time of pregnancy. Do not speak. That'd be amazing. Thanks. Just go do things. <laughs> this is real. This is as real as it gets. 22. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. What do you think those signs were? I have no idea. But I bet it was cool. When the time of the service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. I want to be really clear whenever I read that, that this is the sense of those people at that time, okay? Directly linking 
God's blessing to that. And in my opinion, I, I don't. Okay? But, you know, you can have your opinion. But I like what 25 says. The Lord has done this. Okay? So we who are putting in our time, who are here, who are volunteering, who are making the doors open, or making the doors shut, or making sure the refrigerator works, or making sure the lights are on, or making sure that we have the pumpkins, or making sure we're doing whatever, that there's child care, that there are organs on, that the organ's off, whatever. We need to know what the Lord has done for us, not like, do you know what the Lord has done for you? But more like, you know, there's a number of amazing things that when we're exhausted seem like awful burdens. But if we step back and we realize what God has done for us, then we're capable, we're ready to receive a new thing, which is a new baby, which is the incarnation of God in our lives, changing our very lives. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you've done so very much for us, but we're running around a little bit. And that's not just in this season, it's always. And when we stop running for a couple minutes and we just stare at something to not think about running, we ask that you tap us on the shoulder. Help us understand. Help us gain the wisdom that Zechariah gained through that experience, that you are present with us, that you are blessing us with new life, and that new life may change our lives and what we do in the church, but it's in your will, it's in your nature, it's in your love, it's in your mercy. Be with us in this season, Lord, as you reveal yourself to us. Amen. Let's stand and read our affirmation together. We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus, the Word made flesh, to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope. In life, in death, in life beyond death, God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. Please be seated. We'll now give our tithes and other offerings. And again, if you haven't received a consecration card, please let us know and we'll make sure you get one.
brave little boy who was God. He made himself for nothing. Well, he gave up his pride and he came here to die like a man. Desire 
of nations bind All peoples in one heart and mind If thou a sad division cease And be thyself our King of Agents of Peace this week with what you say, with what you do, with what you do not say, with what you do not do. Be bearers of peace to the community around you that they can know that you learned about it. Go in peace. Amen. Christ is born. Have a great week.